Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. <clears throat> Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And the hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com, where we'll be talking about current global events. John Millimore is the editor-at-large at fee.org, F-E-E.org, uh, the website for the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now author. He's written some several murder mysteries. His latest is called No Problem. <clears throat> It is November the 6th, and on this day in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected the 16th president of the United States over a deeply divided Democrat party, becoming the first Republican to win the presidency. Lincoln received only 40% of the popular vote, but handily defeated the three other candidates. Lincoln, a Kentucky-born lawyer and former Whig representative to Congress, first gained national stature during his campaign against Stephen Douglas of Illinois for a Senate seat in 1858. The senatorial... Uh, encounters on the slavery issue known as the Lincoln-Douglas debates in which Lincoln argued against the spread of slavery while Douglas maintained that each territory should have the right to decide whether it would become a free or slave state. Lincoln lost the uh, Senate race, but his campaign brought national attention to the young Republican Party. In 1860, Lincoln won the party's presidential nomination. In the November 1860 election, Lincoln again faced Douglas, who represented the northern faction of the heavily divided Democrat Party, as well as Breckenridge and Bell. The announcement of Lincoln's victory uh, signaled the secession of the southern states, which since the beginning of the year had publicly threatened secession if the Republicans gained the White House. By the time of Lincoln's inauguration on March the 4th, 1861, seven states had seceded, and the Confederate States of America had been formally established with Jefferson Davis as its elected president. One month later, the American Civil War began when Confederate forces under the General P.G.T. Beauregard opened a fire on Union-held Fort Sumter in South Carolina. In 1863, as the tide turned against the Confederacy, Lincoln emancipated slaves with the rebellion, within the rebellious states, and in 1864 won re-election. In April 1865, he was assassinated by Confederate sympathizer John Wilkes Booth at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. The attack came only five days after the American Civil War effectively ended with the surrender of Confederate General Robert E. Lee at Appomattox. For preserving the Union and bringing an end to slavery, Lincoln is hailed as one of the greatest American presidents of all time. And, of course, the Gettysburg Address, short address, well, is uh, uh, timeless in its expression of grief over the loss of soldiers in Gettysburg. Well, stocks closed uh, one of their best weeks all year after the Goldilocks October job reports could put the Fed's interest rates uh, on ice. Investors view the reduced appetite for new hires as a sign the Fed is succeeding at cooling the economy, but not too much, the Goldilocks effect, in its fight against inflation. 
This jobs report made it even more likely that the Fed will put the parking brake on the interest rate hikes, and some traders are betting that the central bank might even lower rates next year. Economic growth is projected to slow down significantly this fall, according to the U.S. Treasury. Uh, the Danish ship uh, company Maersk is cutting more than 10,000 jobs and posting a 92% drop in profits as the pandemic-era shipping boom runs aground. Because Maersk moves goods all over the world, its woes are a concerning sign for global trade uh, going into next year. The cost of shipping a 40-foot container from China to the United States' west coast has dropped from $16,000 in March 2022 to less than $2,000 in September according to the Wall Street Journal. That's a big drop. I recall that uh, <clears throat> because of the short, uh, shortness of uh, availability of uh, containers, the cost was going way up a couple of years ago. Well, it's down now and uh, doesn't bode well for economic growth. But uh, nevertheless, that's kind of a forward-looking sign about what's going to happen in the economy, not only here in the United States, but globally. Well, yesterday, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken visited the West Bank yesterday, meeting with uh, Palestinian leader Mohammed Abbas as the month-long Israel-Hamas war in the nearby Gaza Strip continued to escalate. The pair reportedly discussed how to maintain stability in the West Bank. A reported 150 residents have been killed in the clashes with security forces in recent weeks. The talks came as a missile strike that killed at least 45 people at a refugee camp, according to Gaza's Ministry of Health. <clears throat> Gaza and the West Bank, home to around 2.3 million people and 3 million Palestinians, respectively, that's in Gaza and the West Bank, are separated by about 30 miles. Abbas Fatah Party administers the Palestinian West Bank and has been in conflict with Hamas since Hamas took control of Gaza in 2006. Separately, Israel forces are now taking position around Gaza City for what appears to be an imminent, widespread ground invasion of the territory. The country has vowed to eliminate Hamas as a political and militant organization, though how to achieve that, of course, remains unclear. They're not sharing their plans, and of course, neither, nor should they. Around 240 civilian remain, civilians remain held hostage by Hamas, while the collective death toll has risen to 1,400 Israelis and around 9,500 Palestinians. So interesting. And of course, uh, now we know that Blinken is going to be uh, visiting with the uh, president of Iraq, uh, going to Turkey. So he's really trying to, uh, he's really put, put, <laughs> wearing out the shoe leather. Hopefully he'll have some impact. I, I doubt seriously that the U.S.'s credibility has been diminished. I'm not sure his words are going to be reassuring to anybody, but we'll find out. Tens of thousands of pro-Palestinian protesters massed in Washington, D.C. Saturday afternoon before descending upon the White House to chant Alu Akbar and F. Joe Biden as they accused the president of genocide and demanded a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. The crowd dotted with Palestinian flags and signs cried at the start of the event, which drew at uh, attendees from across the country. The chant, which is growing increasingly popular in the wake of Hamas's deadly incursion in the southern Israel last month and Israel's subsequent retaliatory attacks on Gaza, is widely considered anti-Semitic because it implies the elimination of the state of Israel and its people. Others chanted, Long live Infidata. Uh, and uh, an Arabic word used to uh, refer to Palestinian uprisings, specifically to the conflicts that ran from 87 and 93 and from 2000 to about 2005. <clears throat> 
That left thousands dead, by the way. Unofficial reports estimate more than 100,000 showed up for the protest, but D.C. Uh, police could not or would not re- confirm that. As the protesters began marching down the roadways of D.C., many stopped outside the White House to yell for Biden to call for a ceasefire. And, of course, he was nowhere around. He was in Rehoboth Beach on his vaca- at his vacation home. Around 6.30 p.m., protesters were smearing red paint on the gates in the White House and chanting, Allo Akbar and F. Joe Biden. One demonstrator even scaled the security fence around the executive mansion to wave a Palestinian flag. While the protests took shape in the nation's capital, more than 1,000 pro-Palestinian demonstrators blocked traffic in Manhattan's Herald Square, demanding a ceasefire before the throng moved to the United Nations. There's no incidents or arrests before the crowd dispersed without incident around 7.30 p.m. Other protests around the world have been broken out as well, including in London, where at least 11 people were arrested, including uh, holding the, arrested for holding signs threatening to burn down the House of Parliament. The pro, uh, massive protest ended almost as abruptly as it began, with the crowd of thousands mostly dissipated by 8 p.m. Uh, all this indicates to me that there's... Some movement behind this, somebody who's orchestrating and paying for this to happen, in my view. Could it be Soros? Perhaps. Obama told his former staffers on Pod Save America Saturday that all of us are complicit to some degree in the violence in Gaza, as he appeared to describe a moral equivalence between Hamas uh, murdering Israelis and Israeli occupation of Gaza, Last month, in the wake of the October 7th terror attacks, Obama said that Israel must dismantle Hamas, and he has since uh, spent the last several weeks backtracking in the face of anti-Israel and anti-Semitic activism on the progressive left. You know, uh, President Obama, uh, quite frankly, uh, you may be complicit, but uh, I'm not complicit, and I think a lot of the listeners here on the show are not complicit at any degree with regard to uh, what's happening in Hamas. They brought it on themselves, Hamas did. Well, Ethiopian runner, this is a kind of inspiring story for me anyhow, Tamrat Tola on Sunday set a course record to the New York City Marathon's men's division this weekend. Tola finished in uh, two hours and four minutes and 58 seconds. Can you imagine that? Over 26 miles, two hours, four minutes and 58 seconds. The women's uh, division was uh, Kenya's Helen Obery, who finished in two, minute, two hours and 27.23 minutes as well. What, what an amazing feat for these athletes. Well, Senator Marco Rubio has voiced his support for ending the uh, biannual tradition of adjusting clocks by proposing the Sunshine Protection Act. In an op-ed published by USA Today on Friday, Rubio cites the American public's overwhelming preference for ceasing these spring and autumn time changes. The Florida Senator also pointed out that the U.S. Senate has shown unanimous support in spring 2022 towards ending this pointless tradition. Amid an era remarked by partisan division and gridlock, Rubio views the practice of twice-yearly clock changes as antiquated and detrimental to public health and calls for the permanence of daylight savings time. He emphasized the nation's unity in opposing the time change, stating, The ritual of changing time twice a year is stupid, and it is. Locking the clock has uh, overwhelming bipartisan and public uh, support. 
Rubio noted that Arizona and Hawaii currently do not observe daylight savings time and proposed his act would establish daylight savings time as a standard across the United States. He clarified that the act would not mandate this change on states, allowing them the option to opt out freely without requiring congressional approval. Rubio concluded his op-ed with an optimism that both legislative bodies would pass the Sunshine Protection Act this year as it introduces a more common-sense approach in the country. He's absolutely right. Of course, under uh, Governor Scott, we passed a law, the legislation passed a law, the legislator to uh, uh, still go on daylight savings time for the entire state. And you may be aware that some of our western part of our state is actually on central time. So in any event... Uh, we passed it, but it need, needed the approval of Congress, and uh, maybe we could get uh, get approval of Congress, but I think Ruby is on to something. It's not healthy. I don't know about you, but I'm not like loving this time change at all, even though we got an extra hour of sleep uh, this weekend. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 
to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Great for kids of all ages, including you and I. Uh, he's also in Tel Aviv, living in Tel Aviv now for several months, and of course right in the midst of the problem over there. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So let's start off with a discussion of what's happening with Israel, Hamas, uh, the West Bank, uh, everything that's going on over there. <laughs> everything that's going on. Okay, so right now, Israeli forces um, are deep inside of Gaza. They've surrounded Gaza City itself and are slowly but surely uh, putting pressure on, on Hamas by slowly attacking um, their installations, trying to get them to come out of their tunnels and kill them when they come out of the tunnels and attack. It's a slow process, uh, primarily because Israel doesn't want to fall into the traps that Hamas has set up for them. Yeah. So um, they've done, by any standards, relatively well in terms of casualties. They had one case where a um, armored car uh, that should have been uh, that, that should have been close to indestructible, something happened and. 11 people inside were killed, but since then almost, you know, they've lost, Israel's lost an additional 19 soldiers, which is a lot, but very little compared to what was expected to take place until now. Hmm. Um, and the goal is to get, um, to put enough pressure on Hamas and to eventually root them out and kill them all, quite honestly. And the other question is, of course, the hostages. Yeah. Uh, it does not seem Hamas is interested in negotiating on any terms that, other than we remain in power, leave us alone. Which is not one of the options on the, uh, not one of the options. Um, so that's of course a big, a big issue. Um, I've spoken to a number of the families of hostages. What can you say to them? You know, what can you say to a father yeah, yeah. whose wife and two kids have been taken hostage? Um, impossible. Yeah, it's impossible to put your, fit yourself in their, in their shoes, and um, it's an impossible situation. You know, Marco, I'd be interested in your reaction, a worldwide reaction, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., London, other cities around the world, are you know, demonstrations for the liberation of, of uh, Palestine and, uh, you know, not committing atrocities, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the whole thing seems so orchestrated to me, but I'd love to get your thoughts. I don't know whether it's orchestrated. Look, you have two, two factors that are involved in this right now. Um, one, of course, is you have in much of the Western world over the last 20 years, you've had a rather substantial uh, Muslim immigration. Mm -hmm. Some Palestinians and other Muslims from different parts of, of the Middle East, the Syrian refugees in Europe. You have, you have all of these people, and they tend to be very pro-Palestinian. That's one part of the story. The other part of the story is you have the far left um, that has put Palestinians up there with you know, with women's rights, LGBTQ rights, with Black Lives Matter, it's all the same thing. It's something called intersectionality. Right. And that exists in the, in, in the left, and they think they should be supporting, you know, the, um, the far left. Look, I have, a, quite honest with you, a, a niece, who I'm not particularly close to, I don't know how many years I've seen her, but she's on the LGBTQ group of people, and um, she's, you know, putting out pro 
Hamas things on her Instagram. My daughter, you know, had a fit and um, couldn't convince her of anything because she knows best. Yeah. Of course, if someone on that in that spectrum was to show up in in uh, Gaza, they would just kill them. Right. I mean, that's what's that's that's the insanity of it, right? In other yeah. words, these people are supporting Hamas. Now, you want to talk about you're in favor of Palestinian rights? I think. You know, even I'm in favor of Palestinian rights. I, f- I hope someday they get a state. If they ever deserve it, they should get one. Right. But to be, be talking about supporting Hamas, who's a extremely, I use the word right-wing, but right-wing is not the right word, e- extremely Muslim extremist group right. who practices, you know, believes in Sharia law and believes, you know, uh, literally anybody they find who's practicing gay or lesbian or anything in between, they kill. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're supporting these people? Yeah. I mean, women, what rights do women? I mean, it makes no sense. But because of this idea of intersectionality and everything else, it's all been tied together. I understand and, the, um, I understand the uh, head of Hamas met with the Ayatollah in Iran uh, to... Uh, yes, the, ed- political head, the political head of, 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 of Hamas, who's, who's in Qatar, uh, went to Iran and met with the head of, the, head of Iran. Um, Look, they're trying to get support. They've been surprised by two things, I think, that this whole thing has surprised them. Number one, they did not expect the, the level of the Israeli response that has come. In other words, they thought that one more time they could get Israel to just come and go and, um, you know, we'll, 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 they'll fire a few times, they'll bomb, and that'll be the end of it. They did not realize the determination of Israel at this point to basically eliminate um, eliminate Hamas, and that's clearly number one. Number two, they had expected more support from Hezbollah. Yeah. Now, Hezbollah has been Hezbollah is the Iranian-backed militia that contr- semi-controls. I won't say controls, but semi-controls Lebanon. It has tens of thousands of fighters in Lebanon, and it has a hundred thousand plus rockets aimed at Israel from Lebanon. Um, so they were expecting more support from them. What what that means? Is that um, they, um, the Iranians have, excuse me, the Hezbollah has more than anything else uh, been doing little bombings, little, you know, small missiles, mostly, almost in all cases, aimed at Israeli military personnel along the front. Mm-hmm. Um, although at this point they've been firing uh, significant missiles at a town called Kiryat Shmona, which is on the border, but has been evacuated. All the border settlements and cities on the border have all been evacuated because of the fact that um, it's so close to the border. And while Iron Dome works, it's very hard for Iron Dome to be effective at, you know, at with 10 seconds warning, so to speak. Right. Um, so the reality is that we're seeing more and more, um, more and more daily, daily action in, in terms of the in terms of the Hezbollah. But, they, but Nasrallah, who's the head of Hezbollah, spoke on Friday, and everyone was waiting for his speech. And his speech basically said, Hamas decided on its own. It didn't discuss with us when they launched this attack, and therefore we're not responsible for them. We'll try to help them a little bit, but we're not really, at this point in any case, we're not really willing to drag Lebanon into a war that will result in the destruction of Beirut. Hmm. That's what seems to be the message. Of course, the people are arguing he just did that to make us all feel better, and you know, it's the same way of mis- misdirection. But so far that's been the case, and I think the... Hamas has been quite disappointed, and the Iranians also. They've used their militia in Iraq and Syria to attack U.S. bases. Yeah. I think there have been 29 attacks on U.S. bases 
in the last two weeks. Um, but again, the U.S. bases also have defenses, and there was there was there were a number of wounded personnel, but no one was killed amongst all the attacks. Um, and also, of course, they've used they've gotten the Houthis in Yemen, who are uh, um, sponsored by Tehran to fire a couple of missiles at um, at Israel. They fired missiles. They fired um, remote um, remote aircraft, unmanned aircraft. The missiles, for the first time ever, Israel used its uh, highest level missile defense system, which is designed to to destroy ballistic ballistic missiles, and it worked. Yeah. Um, so um, it's an expensive way of bringing down a missile, but it's good to know that it works. Let's put it that way. Absolutely, Mark. Uh, Mark, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policies. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with John Middlemore, editor-at-large at fee.org. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Let's move to Ukraine. What's going on? Well, Ukraine, the war has pretty much gone to a point of stalemate. The Ukrainians are still making small progress in the south. 
the Russians have tried and advanced in the north and they've been totally destroyed. So what we're seeing in this war um, is that the side that's doing defense has been relatively um, successful, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, the offense is much more difficult. Um, it may be saying something about modern warfare when two armies are equipped with high-tech weaponry, I'm not sure. Um, but both sides have ground to some version of, of a stalemate for the moment. Uh, the Ukrainians have all sorts of ideas of diff different tactics. Uh, we'll have to see. The Russians are, are of course, trying to um, get more troops to join, which is a diff difficulty in Russia these days. Um, so we, we stand right now um, pretty much, I would have to say, at a stalemate, or not quite a stalemate, a little bit. The Ukrainians are still making some small progress, but no break breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, I, I read a report that uh, that uh, one one soldier, I don't, I don't know if he had a high position or not, saying that, you know, we're losing the war, and I'm talking about uh, Ukraine now. Uh, we're, we're losing the war. We're just not making any progress. Any comments? No, I mean, look, they're not making, they're not losing the war. I mean, let's put it this way. They, they would have lost the war if Russia would have conquered Kiev. Yeah. So Russia has not succeeded in conquering any more of Ukrainian land. Uh, they, their high point was uh, about three months into the war, and, and Ukraine managed to take back some of the areas that were conquered. So you can't say Ukraine is losing the war. Yeah. It's not succeeding in pushing the Russians out of the rest of Ukraine. Uh, so losing the war would definitely not be a correct statement. Okay. It's not, you know, look, winning the war is continues to be the fact that Kiev still stands, so to speak. Kiev is still free. Kiev is still, you know, uh, still not under Russian control. Um, and areas that Russia has taken control of, they've, you know, taken the people out, they've taken the children away. I mean, they've pulled the Nazis, you know, again and again and again. So it wouldn't be surprise so, me though if, if if soldiers on both sides were discouraged about what's going on. Well, of course they are. I mean, yeah. hey, listen, soldiers always want victory and quickly. They want to get back to their families. They right. want to go back to their lives. Right. No, no question about that. There's no one, no one happy to be fighting a war anywhere in the world except I guess there's some you know some of these uh, professional soldiers who just love war. But let's leave those people aside for the moment. Yeah. Both you know Ukraine is a citizen army. Yeah, uh, Russia. I wouldn't. Russia is an army that's been drafted. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody is happy to fight this war at this point. Um, and this is all Putin's idea of conquering. And uh, you know, maybe one day he'll have a heart attack, and that will end the whole story. Because <laughs> so, the war will end the day Putin dies. Yeah. So um, the, the, we have another onset of the uh, freezing of the winter season right now, which would help to do, uh, bring things to a stalemate for a while. Maybe we don't really know. Um, you know, it's not it's actually the the period that that's comes to a halt more than anything else is the in between period, because when it, if things get really cold, then the land is frozen and things can take place. It's really when things are muddy and yeah, very difficult yeah. to to maneuver. Again, we don't know what this winter is going to look like. So far, the winter has been, I mean, not the winter. The autumn has been surprisingly mild, both in Europe and the Middle East. So. Yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows, indeed. So, uh, report that uh, uh, scores of people have died in an earthquake in Nepal. I wonder if you had any comments. Yeah, just the fact that, again, you know, earthquakes seem to happen in some of the places, the poorest places on Earth. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we see them in other places, too, but with so many, 
so many earthquakes and natural disasters happen to the people who can least deal with it. Yeah. And that's just sad. Nothing you can say about it. It's, you know, an act of nature. Uh, we can't control it. Um, but like I said, it's, you know, both flooding and earthquakes and all those things. Uh, floods, it sort of makes more sense that people who are poor are living in places that aren't as well protected. Earthquakes, you know, I guess they don't they don't stand up to the building code of San Francisco or, or L.A., but still, it's yeah, just sad. It is sad indeed. In fact, Acapulco had a very severe earthquake and it was just the devastating it was a hurricane it was a hurricane in acapulco i'm sorry it is a hurricane yes a hurricane was was one of the more amazing things you know if i say amazing but terrible things in nature here you had a, a storm that in the evening was a tropical storm yeah and in the morning when it hit acapulco it was a, it was a category five hurricane yeah i mean just think in florida if you went to sleep at night as a tropical storm out there you know we're not going to we're not going to play golf tomorrow because it's going to be a tropical storm and you wake up in a Category Five hurricane in the morning. Well, I tell you, that was kind of what—that's that, kind of what happened with Ian. Here, <laughs> it was right, like, but not, not yes, but not to this extreme. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you, they've never had a situation where a storm went from tropical storm uh, to hurricane Category Five in twelve hours. Especially in the Pacific, it was an amazing right uh, Jill, uh, event. Uh, what's going on in Pakistan? So Pakistan is a story right now of. Pakistan decided to expel all illegal migrants. Illegal migrants in Pakistan's case are almost all um, Afghani refugees that came both immediately when you know when Afghanistan fell to the Taliban now or came over the course of the fighting over the last X number of years. Many of them have made their lives in Pakistan over the years, uh, but the Pakistani government, sort of in response to a number of terrorist attacks by Islamists, said, well, the solution is let's push all these 1.7 million people out. And basically, they're literally taking them to the border and saying, good luck in Afghanistan. Remember wow. that Afghanistan, is, including, you know, all sorts of people who really fear for their lives, women, acti- you know, women uh, feminist activists, and all sorts of people who the, uh, let's put it this way, the Taliban government doesn't love. Right. Um, so it's a real problem. It's not getting very much world attention, which is a shame, um, because... Again, this is a really, you know, A, was sudden. B, not enough time even to find, to, to try to arrange alternative places for these people to live on other parts of the world. They're literally being bussed to the border and of, of Afghanistan. Was this part so, of a political movement in Pakistan? The move was political in terms of just responding to, you know, I'm going to be strong on terror type situation. <laughs> not a, there's no movement. There's no anti-immigrant um general feeling in Pakistan. I mean, they have 1.7 million out of, you know, out of, a, a, I don't remember what the population of Pakistan is, but it's in the hundreds of millions. So uh-huh. it's it's not a major demographic issue. Um, and they're both Muslims, and so it's not really, it's just a question of, um, you know, the government's trying to do something, so it's going to throw out all these people. Um, again, you know, look, we have a worldwide problem with refugees everywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, that there's almost nowhere in the northern hemisphere where there aren't problems of refugees, but here we have a situation even in the more or less southern hemisphere where it's taking place as well. Absolutely. Again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you, Mark. In Tel Aviv, by the way. 
All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, John Millimore. He is the editor-at-large at Fee.org. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets for some great performances coming up. Uh, visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim Tegg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us John Middlemore. He is the editor-at-large at fee.org. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, great being with you, Bob. How are you doing today? Very well, John. I hope you are. Doing great, yeah. Outstanding. So uh, tell us about Fee.org. Yeah, see, my, my organization was started in 1946. Uh, our mission is to educate the next generation, the coming generations, on economics and, and liberty and uh, we've been doing that for it'll be it'll be a century here before too long. Wow, amazing organization! Fee.org. Check out the website. Very robust, interesting website. Fee.org. One of your columns is why Justin Trudeau is blaming grocers for surging food prices in Canada. All of a sudden, grocers got greedy. Is that what he's saying? Yeah, uh, that that's been going around for for about a year now, and it's interesting. You know, Canada has been struggling with inflation, like a lot of countries, you know, sure. including the United, United States. Um, 
But food prices especially have been really uh, surging in, in Canada. And, and last year, Trudeau was asked what the government could do, and he kind of said, well, we shouldn't maybe meddle too much. Well, that changed when the food prices really started going up. He's now talking about slapping a tax on food executives and you know, you know food companies. Um, you have uh, lawmakers calling in Canadian uh, you know, grocery executives to parliament and so forth. Um, it, it, it's really interesting how they're approaching this politically because it, grocery stores, food companies aren't responsible for inflation. And some people are pointing this out. Um, you know, Canada printed $600 billion yeah. in about 30 months. Um, they expanded the money supply by about 33%. And, and, and that's why, that's why, you know, prices are surging. Um, and it, it, to me, it's one of the most interesting things out there. If you ask any eto- economists, they'll tell you this. We, we, we know inflation is primary above anything else a monetary f- phenomenon. And, and when you expand the money supply faster than an economy grows, you're going to uh, have these, these price increases. You know, by expanding the money supply further, you know, faster than an economy can produce goods and services. Um, but politically, you have politicians, they, they can't say that. They, right. they, they can't say that, that well, actually, we're, we're the cause for, for inflation. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're going to be dragging grocery store executives before parliament and doing this kind of this theater. But, you know, for, for listeners, this is very simple. This is a very, you know, this is an easy one in, in, in basic economics. Um, in, inflation, above anything else, above supply chains, and um, it, it's a monetary ph- phenomenon caused by when you expand the, the money supply. What's really interesting is this is this was the very definition of, of inflation for a long time, um, and it wasn't until recently that we started to say, well, we, we started to refer to inflation as something that was more about prices. Yeah. But for for generations, inflation was expanding the money supply. It didn't the rationale at one time become now we now we have modern monetary theory, and that's going to save us from inflation, <laughs> which is basically they're doing the same thing and just calling it something different, having the same result. Well, that's really, that's really, you know, you're, you're onto something here because this is like a, a kind of a, a niche school of economics for, you know, maybe the last decade was saying we can, we don't have to worry about deficits. We can just print money. And, and the idea that inflation wouldn't be a problem, they, you know, was, was something that they were willing to accept. And they were kind of looked at as, as kooks in, in economics for a long time. But in the last few years, that really you, you had people starting to embrace that mindset that we could actually just keep printing money. And things in, like inflation, which we've been, you know, monitoring and seeing in other countries for hundreds, you know, thousands of years, um, it, it wouldn't happen here. And you know, I, I think you can say the last couple of years have have not been good for the the MMT school, but it, it's probably. Uh, as soon as inflation cools, we'll probably have the same problem again. People yeah. will start talking about how we can continue to print money and, and not have to worry about the consequences. Well, I mean, and uh, just to uh draw the parallel here in the United States, we've done exactly the same thing that they've done in Canada. We expanded the money supply to the point where literally, uh, I don't think prices had any choice but to go up. Right. In fact, I, we, we expanded the money supply even a little bit more quickly than Canada. Um, and, and our inflation, inflation has, has been, um, I think, slightly higher than Canada's overall. But for, for some reason, food inflation in, in Canada has been a, a real issue. Um, you know, prices are going to rise at different level based on, you know, the demand for, for goods. You still have things like supply and demand. Right. Um, but I, I do the, the, the really big lesson, you know, like for me, this has been something I've, I've took away from this. Um, don't let people think if inflation is just 
you know, prices going up, right? Uh-huh. Prices are always going to change based on all kinds of factors. Inflation, we should really think of it as a policy. Inflation is a policy. It's a policy of, of printing money, of expanding the money supply. The result of inflation is that prices go up. And the, the fact of the matter is that, of course, our Fed is saying that we have an ideal rate of inflation. That's 2%, and uh, that, that would be uh, keep things under control. And plus, the other thing it does is with some inflation, it helps to mollify the, the cost of uh, the debt that we have because it, uh, it, it, we're paying back the debt with uh, less uh, valuable dollars. Yeah, I, I, and I think if you look at the big picture, you can see why people like the easy money policies, um, especially bureaucrats and lawmakers. We kind of have to have those policies now, uh, you know, to, to 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 manage this debt. It, but it's not a good thing, and that, that's one of the things people need to realize. You know, I, I think one of the reasons people have embraced these these you know money money printing policies because you know in some ways we see we benefit from them but we should always remember inflation inflation is above all a tax it's a way that 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 uh, lawmakers instead of passing a tax they can they can just uh, debase the currency and use it more that way and um long term it's it's a really dangerous policy i know the fed you know for, for years has said oh, we we got it we can keep inflation at about two percent um but you learn the, the wrong lessons for that and if you look historically you know there's a great high uh, quote from the nobel prize winning you know economist f.a hayek and he said history is really a history of inflation when you when you go back and look we we, we chronicled the wars in the kings and the queens, the people. But if you look, inflation, it, it runs through all that, it, it, a current. And you can go back and look at Henry VIII and his, his, his own inflationary policies that he, he liked to you know, collect nice things and wage war. And, and um, inflation runs through all of that right. because the temptation always comes for people to, to debase the currency and to print money. And uh, it allows them to do things they want to do. Yeah, you, know, you can actually look at how they've polluted the money supply uh, and the coinage back in uh, Egypt in the day or back in Rome, whenever. I mean, the, the, yeah. these leaders learned at an early day that this was effective in a way to appease people, at least for the short term. So hopefully we don't go that route. We need to learn these lessons. But it, but if, if we don't learn them, you can bet. We'll, we'll, we'll be going the way of Diocletian in Rome and um, all, all the things that we read in the books we'll be doing here, and, and we won't uh, be free from those consequences yeah. you know, if we go that path. Again, John Mildemore, editor-at-large of a terrific uh, organization, fee.org is the, is the website, fee.org. I hope you'll check it out. John, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Bob. You have a great week. You as well. Thank you, John. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239 239- 
325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center is now serving dinners Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m., and the menu is just terrific. They provide great value, and you go to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center to have a very casual and wonderful meal just uh, with great comfort food and seafood and so forth. Again, uh, Wednesdays through Saturday, 4 to 8 uh, p.m. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Murder Mystery since he retired. His first is Father the Leader. It's sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and his latest is No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's great to be here, Bob. Um, so, Jim, I mean, I you're, you're the uh, former uh, Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and uh, right now the markets have been very happy because they see signs that there's not going to be another increase in interest rates. But I wonder, do we have a recession on our horizon? Yeah, you know, I think uh, we'll probably have one in the first quarter of next year, which is like a um, pair of cement overshoes for the president because, you know, as unpopular as joe biden is right now a recession will make him even more unpopular uh, but i don't think that interest rates will continue to fall i think we're going to have stagflation and i know this is contrarian because all the experts are saying well you know bond levels have peaked Mm-hmm. Because because the economy is slowing, so that you should pile into bonds right now. So so I'll tell you tell you what I see. I mean, and it was reflected in the recent uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics jobs reports. I live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which has a unique economy. I mean, we have a lot of very successful intercounty companies, and we you know we have uh, national companies as well. Um, and I look at it as sort of a uh, barometer for the country as a whole. So over the the, the weekend, uh, first I had a conversation with a uh, friend of mine who is a executive at a department store. He, he's a big buyer at a department store. And he was saying that department store traffic has 
has moderated significantly. Yeah. And and um, they can and what is especially worrisome and this has worried the industry for quite some time is that younger people, people uh, 30 and under uh, don't go into department stores at all. Mm-hmm. And 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 they haven't figured out how to get them in. And he was uh he was saying that the department stores like his which are all dry goods, were kind of envious of stores like Target, which have food, you know, and Walmart, because people were coming in for food. Well, the Target CEO a few days ago on CNBC said that people are not, they're pulling back on groceries now. Mm-hmm. I've seen the same thing in my local Costco, where people used to pile the carts high, and they only have three or four food items now. Uh, no, no hard goods, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's just penny pinching. I, I went to lunch at a restaurant this weekend. There were three of us, and to give you an idea, the, the lunch bill came to fifty dollars. It was very good. It's a Sicilian restaurant, but the owner was telling me that his his restaurant is doing very well uh, because there are a lot of boomers in the area, number one, but he gets a lot of other traffic as well. He said it's because he fights hard to keep his prices within a certain range. He yeah. considers himself a mid-range restaurant. He said the higher-range restaurants are really struggling now because because people are not going to, to go out and spend, you know, between 100 and $200 for a meal. So he was telling me, for example, that he had to knock giant scallops off of his menu because they now sell for about $80 a pound. And it would it would push his his prices into the unaffordable range. So, yeah. so so he's very careful about the ingredients he buys for his his, his food. So it, it, I mean, it all adds up to the economy is slowing, and we're going to have a recession. Um, and it and I don't think it necessarily means interest rates will come down because. Uh, we still have guns and butter at work in the economy. The butter is all the domestic spending by uh, Biden, and he's so unpopular, he's got to spend a lot more you know, to, to buy votes or he'll attempt to buy votes. Well, the, the other thing that's are, happening, the other thing that's happening is uh, uh, right now the packaging of food products is, uh, is shrinking. Uh, they're trying to uh, sell the same product for the same price by putting less juice or whatever it might be in the in the package uh for so that they can uh, end, end up making a profit a reasonable profit so <laughs> that's probably going to be good for the waistline of most consumers but it's not necessarily good in terms of providing value yeah that's that's true um so also we have i think uh we have world war three by proxy right now mm-hmm. and you I speak, mean, I, are you speaking of a ukraine or middle east uh both because i think I think the Russians and Iran, it's obvious that the Russians and Iran were behind the attack by Hamas. And you have to wonder uh, what was their their endgame, because uh, they had to realize that, that when, when Hamas commits an outrage like that, that the Israelis are not going to sit on their hands, that there's going to be a reaction. I think what the Russians are trying to do is distract us with a, um, a widening war in the Middle East, you know, stretch America's uh, defense dollars thin so that they have an easier time in the Ukraine. 
And I think Iran goes along with it because, uh, you know, anything Iran wants to wipe uh, Israel off the face of the earth. So anything that agitates the Middle Eastern people and, and has them attacking Israel is in Iran's interest. And I just don't see it ending there. I think that the United States will end up bombing Iran sometime hmm. next year. So I mean, this war, it's hard to contain a proxy war. So the, the interesting uh, thing to me is that uh, we have Anthony Blinken visiting Iraq, Turkey, uh, we, all, all these countries. And, uh, but, you know, the old saying is that uh, I can't hear uh, your, your actions speak so loudly. I can't hear a word you're saying. I wonder, with everything that's happened in terms of our own diplomacy, what's happened in Afghanistan and so forth, whether uh, these words from Anthony Blinken have any impact? I don't think they do. I mean, I think the, the, the fuse has been lit in the Middle East, and it's going to have economic consequences for, for the world, too. I mean, you're going to see uh, shipments of uh, oil from the Middle East reduced because of the conflict, and that's going to impact prices. That's why I, I'm predicting stagflation in the U.S., because of the costs of, of the war. Um, you know, the bonds and Joannis are going to catch on. The Fed doesn't have to raise rates. It doesn't want to, because it, it doesn't want to be blamed for uh, defeating uh, Joe Biden in, in the next election. It's a, it's a political animal, so it's going to sit on its hands. But the bond vigilantes, on the other hand, uh, the people who, who buy and sell and hold bonds, are going to demand higher rates of return because of the uh, geopolitical risk and the, the uh, fiscal irresponsibility of the United States government, which, again, is spending on guns and butter. Yeah. And it's, it should really be reducing domestic spending to, to uh, provide us with enough funds to uh, defend ourselves. Absolutely. Jim McTagg, I agree with everything that you're saying, Jim. Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. His latest book is No Problem. It's a murder mystery. It's a great read. I hope you get a copy. No Problem by Jim McTagg, capital M-C, capital T-A-G-U-E. Jim, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show including Kathleen Pasadoma, our state Senate president, Boo Mortensen, Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be sitting in for a segment as well. I hope, and I, by the way, I really appreciate your listening to the show and uh, being a patron. hope you'll tell your friends if you enjoyed it because uh, uh, one of the ways we reward our advertisers is with uh, more listeners. So I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.